0: Yeah. I got to figure out what I did wrong. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalms 56. I think it's important for us to, when we read the Word of God, to get the context of where it was written at and why it was written, and who it was written to sometimes, because if we don't, we miss some wonderful things. And sometimes you read these psalms, and, and they're such wonderful, uplifting things, and, and such positive things, but sometimes we need to realize that it was written at a time when they were struggling. We look at these psalms, and you say, this is the psalm of David, and you figure, okay, well, he's sitting on his throne, he's... Uh, He's, got, he's uh, conquered all the enemies around about the children of Israel. He's taken over the promised land that God had promised him and and times were good. And he writes this about praising God. But that's not when he wrote this. When he wrote this, it says, when the Philistines took him to Gath. A dangerous place for him to be, having just killed their champion, Goliath. A time of great sorrow and, and and distress, I'm sure. And I began thinking about, we're getting ready to celebrate the anniversary of our, the founding of our country, July 4th, 1776. Well, this country will be 247 years old. I remember the, the, the bicentennial. Y'all remember that? I remember celebrating in 1976. Now, well, that was a great celebration. Well, these are troubling times. We are a country founded on God, but now it'd be hard for people to determine whether we're a Christian nation or not. Well, we understand how the Bible explains that uh, this world is not our home, that we're just passing through, and that uh, we believe in Jesus Christ, we're citizens of heaven. But we live to serve the kingdom of God in the world under the influence of Satan and his lies. And we are in enemy territory. So we serve God by giving the gospel to others. And that might be how David felt living in, uh, in, uh, behind enemy lines when he wrote this psalm. But David needed God's help, and we do too. And we all have to go through hard times. I was thinking about your all, seventy year marriage, and I know not all the times had to be good times. And, and there's times where you had to lean on God to get you through, and and, and the struggles that uh, you had to go through uh, in this world and times, we all face. But God has a way of bringing us through to them if we rely on Him. So let's read Psalms 56, verses 1 through 13. The Bible says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would uh, daily swallow me up, for they. Um, be many that fight against me, O Thou Most High. What time I am afraid, I will trust in Thee. In God I will praise His word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Every day they uh, rest me, rest my words. Uh, all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They Mark my steps, and they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by my, my iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wonderings, put my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God I will, will I praise his word, in the Lord will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust, I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O oh God, I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, will not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for loving us. And Father, we know that you didn't have to love us, because there's nothing here to love, but you and your infinite mercy and wisdom looked down on your creation and made a way to save us. Father, we can't save ourselves. It's a miracle, Father, we stand before you, blameless through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Lord, Lord, we praise you for that. And, Lord, we ask you now, Lord, to to touch our hearts with your word. Let us cling to your promises and and praise you in the hard times because you're the same God in the hard times as you are on the mountaintop. You never change. Your love for us never changes. And so our praise should always be in our lips. Our love for you should always be in our hearts. And our service should always be uh, what puts us in motion. Now, Father, help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So our world is full of things that will fill us with fear. Uh, The amount of evil in this world seems to grow day by day. It's like the time of Noah when God looked down and God saw the wickedness of man and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Sometimes I wonder just how far this world can go. The, the moment I think, we can't get any worse than what we already are, something else will happen. And i said, well, there you go. We've we taken another step into depravity, into, into sin, that I didn't think we could ever go into. It's when you don't have a moral compass, you feel free to do whatever you want. And generations ago, people would look at the Bible, even if they didn't know God, even if they didn't believe in God, they still saw the Bible as a moral compass, that the rights and wrongs in the Bible was what, uh, what fueled this world. But now they look at Bible, the Bible as a joke. They don't pay any attention to it. They have no moral compass. They've completely gone off the rails to do whatever they want to. And when you live by the Word of God, when you understand His truth, and you look at the world we live in, the contrast can bring fear and stress into a person's life. It's easy for us to be overcome by fear. fear. But we need to remember the most valuable weapon against fear is our faith in God. We have a God who will not leave us in times of trouble. He will never leave us or forsake us. And we must have faith that God knows us. He sees our trouble, and one day he will make everything right. It's this insurance that leads us to trust the Lord. And this is why we can praise him no matter where we are, no matter what situation we're going through. God is faithful and he will surely help us. So let's look at David's psalm because it gives us some good directions for times of trouble. First, he tells us that we, uh, that, first of all, we should all ask God's help. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. He says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily and oppresseth me. My enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou my most high. He cries out to God. He said, God, I'm surrounded by the enemy, and they would swallow me up. They want nothing more than to kill me, but I know that you're with me. I'm crying out to you. And one reason why we cry out to God for help is because we need his help. There's nothing in this world we go through that we can face on our own. David tried to face this situation on his own. It was a hard time for him. Here he was captured, getting taken to Goliath's home city. I mean, the the fear, I can't imagine the fear. He knew it was going to kill him. But he had a plan. He pretended to be insane before uh, the Philistine king, Abimelech. He pretended to be insane. And And Samuel, 1 Samuel... Verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 13 through 15, it says, talking about David, and he changed his behavior before them. He feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled uh, on the doors of the gates, and let the spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said uh, Achish and to his servants, Lo, you see this man is mad, therefore when have ye brought him to me? Have I a need of a mad, of madmen that ye have brought this fellow to play uh, the madman in my presence? Shall his fellow uh, come into his, my house? And then in chapter twenty-two it says, David therefore departed hence and escaped to the cave of Adel- Abulam. And when his brethren and his and all his father's house heard it, they went down hither to him. Interesting story, ain't it? In face of the enemy, in face of sure death, he acted like he was crazy. He was making marks on the door, scratching on the door. He let the drool fall down into his beard. He changed, completely changed his behavior to fool the Philistines. But David's trouble came after one of his greatest victories. He defeated Goliath. None of the children of Israel, none of the army of of Saul would go up against Goliath, but David, the shepherd boy, did. Took his little slingshot, killed him. Had a great victory. I think it's a message in there for us that once we have a great victory in God, once we start living for him, once we start serving God, and God starts blessing our lives, the enemies will come at us. David was a hero to his people, but... King Saul was jealous, and Saul tried to kill him. And to get away from Saul, he ran to the land of the Philistines, and they wanted to kill him because he had slayed Goliath. But here, in Psalms 56, we see that he also cried out to God for mercy because he was surrounded by people who hated him, and they wanted to swallow him up. And sometimes we feel like we're surrounded like this world wants to swallow us up. Another reason why David cried out to God is because only God can help. That got him away from the city of Gath, but he was still in in terrible shape with Saul trying to kill him, and everybody else wanted him dead. God will surely help his people, and David knew this. This is a great truth that we need to hang on to. Look at David's faith in verse 9. Verse 9 of our text says, then I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back, for I know, this I know, for God is for me. It's Wonderful, ain't it? I told the kid, that's, that's a wonderful thing. If you don't know anything else, if you can't understand anything else about God, you need to understand that. Because there's too many Christians, when something bad happens to you, we start crying out to God, Why, God? Why did you do this to me? Well, God doesn't do stuff to us. The Bible says that God is for us. This world does things to us. This sin-cursed world does things to us. God doesn't do anything to us. He's not against us. God will help us in every situation if we cry out to him, if we pray, if we stay in his will, if we're faithful to listen to what he tells us to do. So special when we can focus on the fact that God is for me. I lost a child one time. It had been so easy for me to cry out to God and say, God, why? Me and my wife had tried for years to have a baby. Now you're going to take him away? Why? But God's for me. Whatever that was that happened, happened for a reason. I need to learn something. But the most, thing, the most important thing I learned is that God's for me, no matter what happens. We ask God for help because we know he's for us second thing we can get from this text is that in times of trouble, we must know our faith. Do you know your faith? Is your faith steady and constant no matter what you go through? Or is your faith wavering depending on your circumstance? You have to know that you can put your faith in Christ at all times. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. David knew that trusting in his God is greater than his fear. He trusted God when he faced Goliath. And Satan wants us to believe the lie that we can't trust God. That's what he told Eve, wasn't it? He said, he told Eve, you need that fruit, you're not going to die. God's not going to kill you. He wants us to believe that the trust and the promises in God's word we can't trust. David reminds himself that when the situation is unsure... God is sure. And God's word is still sure. Twice there he said, I will believe God's word. I will believe the Lord's word. He's reminded himself that I can trust what God says. That he will not lie to me. The every promise in here is something I can grab a hold of and apply it to my heart and life and take it to the bank because he will do everything he says he's going to do. Rely upon the promises of God. Look what David said again in verse 4. In God will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. That reminds himself that the situation doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the people want to do. Doesn't matter that the enemy wants to swallow him up. What matters is that God's for him. And he puts his faith in that. If we have trusted in Jesus Christ, we have something to talk about too. We have been saved and that's a miracle. Our salvation is a great story. Because of our sin, we were hopeless. Without Jesus, we had no hope. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. No, for all... Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone falls short of God's glory. But we were saved. How? In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Salvation is a gift from God for all who believe, all who come to Christ by faith. Revelation 20, 14 and 15 says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. From hopeless to the book of life. Oh, church, how wonderful would it be that every time something happens, every time somebody does something to us, every time we're in a situation where we feel so such great despair, we can look at them and say, I don't care what you do, my name's written in the book and you can't take it out. I am saved to the uttermost. I am secure in my faith in God. I don't care what this world does to me. I don't care if they do swallow me up. You swallow me up and I'll be in the presence of Almighty God. From hopeless." To all hope. Put your faith in a God who changed your destination. First Timothy 1.15 says, And this is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept- acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul said he's the chief sinner. I think sometimes we all feel like we're the chief sinner. But it doesn't matter anymore because Jesus took our sins away. He nailed him to the cross so that we can stand before him blameless. He came to save sinners. It's not what we are. It's our faith in who he is. First Colossians, chapter one. I mean first in Colossians chapter one, verse nineteen, it says For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, uh, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that are sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of the flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable, in his sight, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved from uh, away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, and which is preached to every creature which is under heaven, therefore I Paul am made a minister. The gospel just doesn't save us. He doesn't go to the cross and die for our sins to save us. He made us so that we can be grounded and settled. That means we don't move, we don't shake. The world that was beating on our door don't affect us none because we have faith in God. We trust and believe in him. Don't let evil of this world block out all that you know about our faith in God. Third, we must uh, be educated about the enemy. David knew all about his enemy. They were idol-worshipping Philistines who were trying to destroy the children of Israel. He said they are trying to swallow him up. And this shows the intention of the, of the enemy. They wanted to kill David. They wanted to stop him. They oppressed him every day. Look at verses 5 and 6. It says, Every day they rest my words, that all their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps. And they wait for my soul, David said, "The enemy is twisting my words, and and they only have evil thoughts against me. And, they're, and they hide and they chase him, and they're they're watching him. They're trying to find him, but but God's in control, and He will always get the victory." Verse seven says, "Shall they escape uh, by iniquity? In thine anger, cast down the people, O God." David calls for God to bring them down. David knew his enemy. We need to know our enemy. I think about all those people who hate God. All those people who are walking around who, who don't know him, who, who have a, a hate for him. Not just atheists, but people who, who just despise what we stand for. Who, who hate the name of Jesus being mentioned. They want to stop the church and take away the freedom we have to worship him. But these people are blind. They're blinded by the real enemy, which is Satan. And Peter tells, I mean, Paul tells us, To be ready. Ephesians 6, 11, 12 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is the lies that he takes, the sin that he's created. That's why we need a substitute, someone to take our place, someone to take our sin." We all need a Savior, and Jesus is the only one who could do it. He took our sins upon himself and died in our place. And we need to know the enemy. But sometimes we need to take our eyes off the battle and leave it into the will of God. Because I think sometimes we fight against those people who are lost, and we're not fighting against them. We're on a rescue mission, giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're trying to tear down the blinds and the, and the smoke that he, Satan has them trapped in and let that glorious light of the gospel shine into their hearts. That's why he says we're the light of the world. Because something's got to break through. some has got to make them see who Jesus is. He's not the enemy. He's the Savior. He's came to rescue them from their sin if they would just simply believe. Fourth, we also need to remember in times of trouble that God has not forgotten us. Look at verse 8. Thou tell us my wonderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? It's a wonderful verse, is it? It's like David's using some poetic things here to, to describe how much God cares for us and, and how he will never ever forget us. David tells us that God remembers our sorrows with the words in his book and with the tears in his bottle. God hasn't forgotten us. He knows every tear you cry. He remembers everything that was done against you. He remembers every problem you faced. He knows everything that you've suffered. He knows because he loves you. And he's taken those tears and collected them in a bottle. And there will come a day when God will wipe away all those tears. Revelation 21, 1 through 4 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea and I John saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down from god out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the tabernacle of god is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and god himself shall shall be with them and he and be their god and god shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. What a wonderful time that'll be. I mean, there's something really special about the idea of every time, every every little sadness that happens to me, every every time something happens and it breaks my heart and I just cry, that there's gods there collecting those tears and putting them in a bottle. And he's keeping them. Why? Because they're precious to him. Why? Because we're precious to him. I don't want to see my children cry. I don't want to see my children go through anything. God doesn't want to see us go through anything. But he knows we will in this world. But he's collecting those tears, and one day he's going to take them all away. And he said, all, these thi- all those things that caused you these problems, all those things that made you shed these tears, not only am I taking the tears away, but I'm taking all those away. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death, no more problems. You'll be with me, and I'll be your God, and you'll be my people, and nothing will ever separate us again. There'll be no more sin, no more Satan, no more lies. God will never forget us. And finally, in all times, we must continue to praise God. Continue to praise God. Look at 10 through 13. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God I have put my trust I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will uh, render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Praise God. Will wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? For I may walk before God in the light of the living. Another great verse. Another great verse. I'm telling you right now, if you believe that God has saved your soul, then you ought to believe that he'll keep your feet from falling. And if you think he's going to keep your feet from falling, then you better be walking in the, in the, in the God's light in the living, taking that light to the underneath it. Even surrounded by the enemy, David knew he must praise God. He praised him for his salvation. He praised him for keeping his steps. David took comfort in God's word and his promises uh, for all who believe. And David knew he would never be alone. And that's why he wrote this. He also wrote in Psalms 23:4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. David knew he didn't care where he was at. He didn't care if he was sitting on that throne or if he was hiding out in a cave. That he would fear no evil, for the Lord was with him. God is all we need in every situation. So praise him and find comfort that you need. This is a troubled world we live in, surrounded by the enemy, but we have God on our side. So listen, church, as as a church who wants to make a difference in this world, we need to do some things. We need to. Focused on who God is, because when you focus on God, you spend less time focusing on the problems. We need to praise him for the opportunity to suffer, because Christ suffered for us. We need to proclaim his goodness to a to lost and dying world. And we need to look at all the, his promises and blessings in the word of God and hold on to them and know they're true. If we do that, we can make a difference. And God can use us to reach this world. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just for a minute, I want you to think. I want you to focus just for a few minutes on God. You know, when I get up here and preach, I'm not, I'm not giving you my words. I'm not giving you my message. I'm giving you what God told me to give you. And when God tells me to give you something, he gives it to us for a reason. You know, I've, I've come to this realization now that every time I have, God gives me a sermon and I start writing it down and I get ready to preach it, before I preach it, I get down on my knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm not where I need to be. I'm sorry that, you know, sometimes I don't praise you the way I should. Sometimes I let situations get me down. Sometimes I, I can't be used by you because I'm in so much self-pity. Church, we, can't, we don't have time. For a pity party. This world is dying and going to hell and and if we don't give them the gospel, then they're just going to keep on going. They're blinded by Satan and the only thing that will break through is the light of God and He's put it in our heart. He said, my church is a light on the hill. He says, you're the salt of the earth. You're to add flavor to things. You're to, to, to make this gospel appeal to people. to Make them understand that you have uh, Jesus, and they need Jesus. Because without Him, we're doomed. So if you're here today, and, and you're, you're not being that Christian you need to be, or maybe you focus too much on the problems, I tell you, I, see, I hear so many people complain about this, complain about that, and complain about this. And I see very few Christians praising God for all He is and how He loves us. It's too easy for us to complain. It should be easy for us to praise Him. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't know Him, you're you're lost. You have no hope. The Bible says you're hopeless. But with Christ, you have all hope. You can stand before God blameless and spotless because Jesus has washed you clean with His blood. He's given you living water so you have eternal life. And it only comes in a relationship with Him. You have to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Savior. And you have to decide to repent of your sins and live for Him. That's the only way it works. But church, God wants us to do some wonderful things in this world. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come repentance. But they won't do that unless they see it in us and hear it from our lips. See us praising God in the storms. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your love. Lord, I thank you for every promise in your word. I thank you that you're for us. It's an overwhelming thought. But God is for us. And if you be for us, then who can be against us? Father, help us take this dear, precious gospel that you've put in these earthen vessels and help us deliver it to a dying, thirsty, hungry world who's who's looking for every way to satisfy themselves. But nothing will satisfy them until they find Jesus. So, Father, help us to deliver the message that you've given us and to live the life you've called us to live. And, Lord, help us to trust in you. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. since you are closing him